Spencer, and Joshua Johnson. I'm here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build a foundation. This is the Dynasty Bowl, presented by the Dynasty Football Wearer. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick Hale, the Redskins Wagner. Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. I just had a slight moment of panic there. I got a brand new phone. I'm like, where's the mute button? Where's the mute button? How are you doing today? Uh, I'm I'm doing okay. I need to I need to use the mute button every now and then too. I I understand totally understand how that's going. So, um, we got to. Incredible show for you playing today as we are in the off week of Super Bowl week as we'll get to some conference championship talk. Uh get to best number thirty as well. Um that's Justin Barlow from the fantasy excuse me, from FFCouchcoach.com is gonna stop by us. Those crazy guys over there are already doing some dynasty startups, so we're gonna talk a little bit of trends and see how that is going. Uh we have a some dynasty trade analysis, as always. Uh, a great dynasty dilemma. They put two uh, second-year running backs against each other in David Johnson and Todd Gurley. Um, trying a little, something a little bit different. I thought this would be kind of fun as we're doing a, uh, a historical fantasy football draft. Now, the rules are as follows. Basically, we will pick one player based on one season. So once Nick takes a player, I can't take that same player so we will say, you know, Peyton Manning, 2013, or Jim Brown, 1961, or something like that. I doubt we're going to go back that far just because it doesn't seem that relevant anymore. Or it doesn't seem like some of those guys put up relevant numbers back in the day. But, of course, the game is uh, different and numbers are getting broken all the time. I've got a couple prospect profiles for you uh, as well as we look at uh, – Excuse me, Ohio State defensive lineman Adolphus Washington and Clemson strong safety J. Ron Kirsch. So this should be uh, good stuff we got planned for you today here in the off week. And, of course, I do want to tease our uh, Super Bowl roundtable uh, that's going to be coming up next week. Uh, we're going to start that show, actually, by talking to our guy out in the Pac-12, Jack Fulman. We're going to we're gonna bust him up with a bunch of prospects, and he's gonna he's gonna answer. If you if you don't know Jack, you're gonna you're gonna know him next week by the end of the next week's show because he's he's awesome. We give him so many names, and he just he just brings it every single time we've been able to talk to him. Uh, but joining us for the Super Bowl roundtable portion it can be kind of like a question and answer type of thing. It should be uh, lots of fun. Our author Alex Kirby's coming back for that. Uh, Gene Clemens from FBGamePlan.com is going to be here. Uh, Gene also is an author of of a book as well. Uh, Good dude and looking forward to what he has to say here about this upcoming Super Bowl. Um, I have a local newspaper guy here from Sioux Falls uh, from the Argus Leader by the name of Matt Zimmer. He is currently a maybe. Not sure if he's going to be able to make it or not, but it would be fun to talk to Matt nonetheless if we can get him. Um, we're going to have Chuck on a little bit longer, so I know you guys all love Chuck's velvety voice, so we'll uh, we'll have him on for most of the show. That should be fun. And then uh, Bill Latin, uh, our man down there in Arizona, DFW contributor from DFW here, is also going to be uh, along to help us with that. Uh, that's kind of hard to say, DFW IDP contributor. <laughs> Oh, that was a lot of that was a lot of letters there in one sentence. But anyway, Nick, what what, is, what are your thoughts on uh, the conference championship week? 
Well, we'll start with uh, the Broncos and Patriots game. Uh, Manning versus Brady, number 17, blah, blah, blah. What I want to know is how many times have we seen Von Miller versus Jamie Collins? Collins had eight tackles, three tackles for loss, two sacks. Von Miller, of course, five tackles, was one behind the team leader, two tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, and the interception. You know, these two guys were just all over the field. It seems like this late in the postseason, the team that makes the fewest mistakes wins, and that held true here. New England threw two interceptions, missed an extra point, which forced them to go for two at the end, and that play resulted in an interception, of course. I was also surprised when New England didn't kick a field goal when they were down eight in the middle of the fourth quarter. You know, the later one, I agreed to the decision to go for it, but the first time I really thought they should have kicked it, and that would have given them plenty of time to go get a touchdown to win the game. Uh, on a side note, Tom Brady did his best Cam Newton impression, leading the team in passing and rushing with 13 yards on the ground. What did you think of it, Josh? Um, did you say something about turnovers? Did Carson Palmer throw an interception in that game? I, I, I must have missed that. Um, oh, wait. Uh, Vaughn Miller. Holy cow. I I can't believe he only had two and a half sacks. It just seems like he was flushing Brady whenever whenever possible. You know, And I made... I made the comment that Denver needs to rush this guy up the middle to uh, be effective, and uh, I guess they, they squashed that theory because they just, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I have you ever seen a defender come off the edge with so much power and speed and be so low at the same time? I that One of those sacks, I think it was in the third quarter, the tackle, I think it was maybe Sebastian Vollmer, Basically got two fingers on on Miller, and then it was just all over from there. That was uh, yeah, uh, just a just a great performance by that defense, and it, it makes you wonder how how that how these two teams are going to match up. The number one rushing offense in the league versus the number one rushing defense in the league um, could maybe be you know uh, a boring Super Bowl, but it could be obviously uh, one in the trenches. Um, that second game, I don't know. I, I just, I, I picked, I picked Arizona to win that game, um, and they were dogs. So I was getting the three points, but I really just thought it was going to be their strength versus the Carolina weakness, which is you know the deep part of that secondary. Plus, Roman Harper got hurt in that game. Uh, yeah, just, just totally surprised by the way that uh, top came through. Nick, what were you more surprised, Nick, by? Um, Tom Brady's performance or the fact that that second game was just not a game? Oh, the second game, definitely. I thought that was going to be competitive the whole way through. I thought Arizona was going to move the ball pretty pretty, uh, pretty well against that Carolina defense, but yeah, it did not turn out that way at all. Nice to see Carolina have a big halftime lead and not blow it in the second half like they've done a couple times previously this year, so, you know, I, I, you, know you said it's shaping up to be a boring Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a great Super Bowl, personally. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm just just saying it could be, uh, you know, it could be it could be one in certain certain areas that not necessarily going to excite people. There's so much, there's so many stories and backstories and legacies and you know legacies being born that are that are coming into play in this game. And it's it's uh, yeah, it, it, there's there's a lot of that going in. I'm just saying it could yeah, it could be. I mean, I don't think a Super Bowl can ever be boring unless it's a Unless it's a blowout, but sometimes that blowout is like that Seattle Denver game, and I I I still was basically stunned till like mid third quarter. I just expected at some point in that Super Bowl a couple of years ago for Manning to rattle off a couple of touchdowns and it would be a game again. And you know, even after they took that second half kickoff back, I was just like, 
Okay. Okay. Well, that's that's not going to help their cause, but I just expected them to come back, and uh, they didn't. So I, I don't think we're going to see that. I think we're just going to see just brute strength versus brute strength in the trenches, and that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, what something that we haven't touched on for a little bit, uh, Nick? But what do you got for uh, best number thirty? Well, we'll uh, start with a couple of returners from the 90s. Uh, Dave, Dave Maggett was a two-time Pro Bowler, had eight return touchdowns, seven of them on punts. Brian Mitchell only went to one Pro Bowl, but he's number one all-time in both kick and punt return yards, had 13 return touchdowns. Uh, Icky Woods, of course, took the country by storm in 1988 as a rookie with the Bengals, rushing for 1,000 yards at 15 touchdowns, and, of course, creating the Icky Shuffle along the way. Uh, going back a little farther, Lawrence McCutcheon went to five Pro Bowls with the Rams from 1973 to 77, had between 900 and 1,200 yards each of those seasons. Uh, fullback Bill Brown went to the Pro Bowl four out of five seasons from 1964 to 68 with the Vikings. In 1964, he had over 800 rushing yards and 700 receiving yards. It's been a while since we've seen a fullback with those kind of numbers. Uh, the late Mosey Tatufu played 13 years in New England and one more in Minnesota. Josh, you know we're getting old when a player we used to watch has a son Wolfa, who's also retired. Uh, Avon Green. Whoa, retired. <laughs> yeah, is Wolfa Tutufu retired? Uh, yeah, no, you're right. I thought it was bad <laughs> enough that we're talking about Fred Taylor's son a couple weeks ago, and now we're talking about, oh, yeah. We are getting old. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, we are. Anyway, uh, Amon Green went to four straight Pro Bowls in Green Bay from 2001 to 2004. He had six 1,000-yard seasons, including 2003 when he rushed for over 1,800 yards and scored 20 total touchdowns. Now, if you look at career totals, some of these aforementioned players probably have higher totals than uh, Terrell Davis, but none of them dominated the league the way that Terrell Davis did during Denver's two Super Bowl runs in 1997 and 98. Uh, 1,750 yards in 97, 2,000 yards in 1998, 38 touchdowns during that two-year span. So even though he's only got 7,600 uh, career yards, he's still the top number 30 of all time. Yeah. Did you mention uh, – I'm sorry, I missed one of them. That first was it Bill Brown. Is that the fullback you are talking about for the Vikings? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. What a what a warrior. I've, I had – I think I've talked about this before, but I had a VHS tape of the Vikings in the 70s as a child, and I watched it probably a thousand times. And he was, yeah, he was one of the uh, the heroes of that team. And during the seventies, not a not a huge contributor, but like Nick said, put up great uh, great numbers for a fullback, and uh, certainly a, just a, a huge a huge part of that that team. Um, Terrell Davis, is, yeah, is easily the number the best number of guy. I mean, the guy has eleven hundred. You know, he's got seven thousand career yards, but he has eleven hundred career yards in eight playoff games. I mean, that's nuts. He averages one hundred and forty-two yards. Per playoff contest. Oh, and he scored 12 touchdowns. I mean, the Super Bowl run alone in 97, he had eight touchdowns in that, that postseason. That's just pure insanity. Oh, he caught 19 balls, too, you know, just to, just to add on to that. So, I mean, yeah, where his, his career was cut short, I mean, why why are we going to take that away from him now? I mean, we don't take that away from Gale Sayers, you know. But he basically just tore his ACL back in the day, and, you know, history – and science was not up to speed to where it is nowadays, and that prevented him. So I don't think we can take anything away from Terrell Davis from just being an amazing player. And, you know, the interesting thing about Terrell Davis, too, is before he came to the NFL, he was basically a fullback in college. He only had 1,900 yards total in his college career, four, uh, 
for four seasons. I mean, the most carries he ever had in one season was 167 uh, there at Georgia. He was he was mainly used uh, as a fullback. Obviously, you know, the game was a little bit different back then in the early 90s. You know, maybe some maybe even some wishbone or some veer offense going on, but not not a guy that was necessarily looking to come into the NFL and be a thousand yard rusher. I mean, we see guys in the college ranks nowadays rush for 1,500, 2,000 yards in 12 games. He was, he was not that type of player in college. Uh, and maybe that helped him, you know, stay healthy at least to get that 2,000 yards. So yeah, Terrell Davis, uh, as much as I don't want to give it to a Bronco, I, I, uh, I should remain, um, I can't remember. And anonymic? No, that's not the word. I don't know. I sh- I will remain. I will yes. I will give it to Terrell Davis. <laughs> Long story short, um, each and every week we do a little something that we like to call Nick rant. It's where I give my co-host Nick the floor to call and rant call to rant about something that's bothering him. Usually, it's something football related. Sometimes I like to call it often controversial. Um, sometimes I like to call it shots fired. Um, well, famously once called out Emmett Smith, which was a lot of fun. Let's see if he's calling me layout today. Nick, what do you got for him? So it's a new era. The NFL is an offensive-oriented game now with the rules stacking the deck against the defense. Everyone thought that the way to win was to consistently put up big points. Tom Brady and the Patriots have been doing it for years. Teams like Indianapolis and New Orleans have won with high-powered attack. The key to winning is to get a quarterback, surround him with talent, and beat everybody 35-24 to 24, with defense playing a complementary role. To turn over here, a fourth down stop there. But the days of defense is being able to shut down competent, let alone elite offenses, was supposed to be over. Well, somebody forgot to tell the Broncos and Panthers. Peyton Manning is, of course, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But today, if Peyton, Archie, and Eli had a throwing competition, Peyton would probably finish closer to Archie than Eli. But the Broncos rode their number one ranked defense all the way to Super Bowl 50. And in this past happy era, how did they have the best defense? In one word, penetration. They led the NFL in sacks, and in the postseason, proved those numbers weren't inflated by only putting up numbers against lesser opponents. No one can argue that Pittsburgh and New England's offenses are among the top units in the league, and Denver's front seven wreaked havoc in the backfield in both of those victories. Now, while Denver's offense had good players at skill positions but was lacking a quarterback, Carolina found themselves in the exact opposite situation, an amazing quarterback with not a lot of help around him. But like Denver, Carolina had one of the top defenses in the NFL this year. Arizona's offense was fantastic all season long, so to be held to 15 points in the conference championship game is a testament to how good this Carolina defense is. We all know how good Josh Norman is, but Arizona has three very good receivers, not to mention the blossoming David Johnson out of the backfield. You know, I think it's kind of cool that in the 50th edition of the Super Bowl that it has sort of a retro feel, that defense still wins championships. I guess I could have given this rant the same title as Machine Head's second album, The More Things Change, right, Josh? Uh, yeah, what a and what a timely rant this was. Not that your rant always isn't timely, but you know, like I made the comment a few weeks back. This has been kind of become some some weeks about uh, like uh, like we said, uh, Lewis Black, uh, back in black with you know he you kind of catch those stories that fall between the cracks or just you know shine a light on on a lesser story. But yeah, that's a very good and uh, timely rant here, and you know we've seen it from time to time. Uh, Creep back up, obviously the Bears, the '85 Bears, and no coincidence, Ron Rivera was part of that team. Uh, you know, the Ravens of the early early 2000s were, were quality and uh, and whatnot. So, I mean, it's it's come back to that, and I think we usually see, you know, 
we saw Seattle a couple of years ago. They were that was when they played Denver. That was number one offense versus the number one defense. Um, so, yeah, this should be interesting as we these two teams uh, lock horns and see uh, what uh, what becomes. You know, I'm I think the one reason, obviously, probably the reason right now that Vegas is giving them, uh, excuse me, giving Carolina the nod is just because you know. The, it's that Carolina defense versus this offense. You know, everybody wants to talk about uh, the Carolina offense versus the Denver defense, but we got to look at the flip there. And I think you got, you definitely got to give Carolina the uh, advantage in that one. Um, Justin here is going to be joining us just a minute. I lost him somehow in the, in the switchboard here. So hopefully he'll call back here in a second, but uh, uh, we're going to talk about uh, some dynasty trends there with Justin Barlow. If he, calls back in here but um yeah just uh but like nick said defense uh still wins championships it's coming back to that so and uh you know interestingly enough nick you know the year your uh your boy robert griffin the third kind of sprung sprung into action everybody was talking about this zone read thing can last but if you look at the last four super bowls we've had colin kaepernick russell wilson twice and uh now cam newton so it's so people are certainly finding success with it. That's for sure. So, um, that is, let's, uh, patch Justin through here. Justin, are you there? Yes, I am. How you doing guys? Hey, good. good. Is it just, is it Barlow? Is that how the last name is pronounced there? Yep. Uh, Justin Barlow. Okay. okay. Just wanted to make sure. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Justin, Justin is of course from the FF couch dot com. Uh, you crazy no people over there are already starting some some dynasty uh, startups. So we were just had to stop by to talk about uh, some trends today. But first, first and foremost, why don't you just kind of tell us about what you guys got going over there over there at FFCouchCoach.com? Sure, man. Uh, first, uh, you know, thanks for having me on, Josh and Nick. Um, you know, uh, we, uh, we we started. Uh, I started up this site. I want to say uh, October of 2014. And um, I've assembled a great, a great team of writers. Um, they they write a lot. Of, they they write about a lot of things from IDP, Dynasty, um, DFS, just everything that anybody could ever ask for. Uh, I got great guys that are uh, pretty much available on Twitter all the time. Um, particularly, you know, when I in preparation for this show, you know, I always like to talk to my team uh, when I do things like that's kind of how. Uh, that's kind of what makes uh, ffcouchcoach.com different. Uh, we, you know, it, it's a team collaboration. You know, th- these guys are, like I said, they're awesome. And, and uh, I'm no better than any one of them. So, you know, uh, in specific, uh, you know, I, I spoke with, uh, in preparation of the show, I talked to Thor Hammer, Brady Huggins, Waz, and Tyler Huggins. And then a couple of buddies uh, of, of the FFCC are uh, Adam, uh, Adam TZ on Twitter and uh, at, at Brief IDP. At Breeze IDP. Um, yeah, we uh, is, is, this, is it okay to keep going? Hello. You guys, sorry about that, there, Josh. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Uh, what, what was that? <laughs> Go ahead. Can you hear I'm me? Sorry about that. Yeah, I'm here. No, my other my other phone is ringing. I'm I am very sorry about that, Justin. No, 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 no man. Uh, it's, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know where where it kind of ran into there. So if I could just run through these guys' names, you know, real quick, because like I said, I'm no better than any one of them. Uh, we got Thor Hammer, Brady Huggins, Waz, Tyler Huggins, and uh, two, two a couple of buddies. Um, you know, they're uh, 
really just uh as, as smart as, as us too you know we we uh we got a great you know little friendship going but um uh that you know they've been in some of our leagues and then things like that so we got at adam tz on twitter and at breeze idp so um but yeah so uh like you said we like you said uh we don't like to wait uh you know the season just ended the fantasy football season rather not the not the not the big game yet so uh we're all waiting for that but we uh we we don't like to wait you know as soon as it, i i feel like we were all kind of in fantasy our dynasty fantasy hibernation while the season was going on because when the season goes on you you just kind of go with the flow week to week you're working the waivers you're really worried about your own teams i i don't know about you guys but i don't really write as much during the season uh about dynasty you know really just kind of I, I go through, you know, the week to week stuff, you know, and it's boring more, more or less, but uh, in the, in the off season, we get to, we get to, we, we get to talk things out and we get to just kind of guess who's going to do this or who's going to do that. And not only that, we get to do new dynasty startup leagues. So, uh, so far at the FFCC, we've run two dynasty leagues. We've got the FFCC uh, dynasty Smackdown league and the FFCC beer belly league. Um, we, uh, you know, man, we it's uh, it both teams are uh, twelve team, thirty man rosters, full point PPR and a quarter point PP uh, per uh, point per carry, and um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. But we we we've noticed a lot of things, and um, one of the biggest things that I I wanted to point out, and I talked to uh, Thor in specific with this, uh, he um he brought to my attention. He's like, dude, look how high David Johnson was 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 drafted in one of our leagues, because uh, he happened to, to draft with with me in both of these leagues. And uh, David Johnson uh, in one league. Now this this is about right, and I, I say about right because it's it's smack uh, it's it's really smack on with um, it's spot on with his, his ADP. And he uh, in this in this uh, second oh, no I'm sorry in the first draft he went and he went at 208. Now um, that like I said that that's right in line with his ADP. Now we we still think that's a little bit higher just because uh, or that higher than it should be just because. There are some uh, there, there's some uh, dynasty wide receivers that I, I'd personally rather have. But in the second, now I, I think what happened was or what could have happened was uh, the first because when we do things when, when we draft as a team and things like that, I like to make it very public on Twitter. So I'll post the draft results and the rosters and things like that on Twitter so people can just check it out um, as we do it and 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 you know when it's finalized. But what uh what I think happened was also the I think the second draft was influenced by the first draft. Uh what I mean by that was in the first draft, David Johnson was taken at two oh eight. in the second draft he was taken at one eleven. Uh one eleven is way too way 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 too high. Um that that you shouldn't even be taking a running back unless his name is Le'Veon Bell or, or, or Ty Gurley at, at one eleven. Um what do you guys think about that? I mean what are your feelings on David Johnson as a dynasty startup uh, pick? Where where are you like comfortable taking him? Oh wow, that's something I haven't given a lot of thought to since this this off season here. But uh, Nick is a uh, Nick is slightly higher in John Johnson than me, Nick. So what do you got for us, please? Uh, I absolutely love David Johnson, but that being said, you know, first round, that's a little steep for me. I think middle of the second, you know, late second, I think that's great if you can get him there. I might personally reach for him in the middle of the second, but that's just because I'm really high on him. Sure. Yeah. Um, he, uh, like, like I said, he, he yeah, he, he was taken with too high um, in, in, in the first. I mean, the, the person that took him that high in the first round, he missed out on, on, on guys like Des Bryant. 
Alshon Jeffrey, Sammy Watkins, Ron, Rob Gronkowski. I mean, uh, AJ Green was taken before him, but if you took him, if if, if the guy took David Johnson, um, AJ Green, actually I took him before he took David Johnson in this draft, but I have a feeling that AJ Green would have trickled down past uh, this guy as well. So there's a lot of uh, really good names that are going to be dominant at the position for at least the next three years. And I'm talking about, and specifically about Dez, Alshon, and, uh, and, and AJ Green. Now, these guys are going to be – I think they're getting a little disrespected in dynasty startups uh, these days because they're not the hot ne- new name. It, you know, w- with the influx of, uh, of, of, uh, of hot young talent we've had, the, especially the past two years, um, you, you, got, you got guys like Dez, Alshon, and, and, uh, and, and AJ Green, you know, just kind of falling to the wayside. And uh, it, it's it, – you're going to catch a lot of people snoozing. It, it, you know, I love that, uh, that guys like Jarvis Landry are being taken way – it, okay, it, specifically in one of my drafts, Jarvis Landry was taken at 207, I believe. Uh, I believe he was taken at 207. Now, uh, my picks mm-hmm. came after that. At, at 211, I was able to draft behind him Devontae Parker. Um, in my eyes, the guy to own in Miami is Devontae Parker, especially in a dynasty startup. Uh, Jar- Jarvis Landry, it, it, it's, I, I just, I'm not buying it. it it's one of those... One of those things where he, yeah, he's a PPR monster, but the guy catches, what, five-yard routes? I, I'm not interested in that. I want the home run header. I want the stud. I want Devontae Parker. Um, so these are the things that these drafts are teaching us. And, and if you take the time to actually look, the, look at these, this is why I post these links while we're doing the, while we're doing the, uh, the, the drafts. It's not for me to just blow up uh, you know, and try to, try to uh, throw our name out there or anything like that. Or, or, or hey, you know, look at us. So we're, we're drafting. No, it's, it's, it's for a reason. It's so people that don't know any better or the people who aren't drafting or don't feel like drafting right now, they can still kind of keep their, their, their hands in it and, uh, and, and still learn from it as we go. You know, so now, now, now they know because they're listening to us that David Johnson's being taken way too high. Uh, you, should, you should aim at guys like, I mean, on my particular team, I don't even have it pulled up. But on my, on my particular team, I was able to grab A.J. Green and Sammy Watkins in one draft. So, you know, it was on the turn. Uh, it really depends on your position in the draft, but you could still do it. Uh, whether you're at the top of the draft, the bottom the draft, doesn't matter. Uh, one big trend that is going on right now with Dynasty Fantasy Football is the fact that people are hoarding wide receivers, and rightfully so. <laughs> you, look at it, you, look, you look at it this year, and uh, the, the wide receiver was, was, was the, the name of the game. Now, this is, like I said, this is a quarter point per, uh, point per carry uh, league, so you know the the wide re- the wide receiver still dominated. That tells you something. Uh, and this is th- these aren't just like regular guys. These are guys. That, these are my writers. These are guys that we've been on Twitter that know their stuff. So it, it's it's you know it, it's a good collection of guys. And and you know you you want to you want to you want to collect those young studs. It, you want to especially wait on guys like you, or you. You especially want to wait on quarterback. Quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if 2015 is thought as anything. It tells you you don't you don't draft the quarterback too high. I mean, you got Tyrod Taylor's out there. He he's he and he's still falling low. I I, I was able to get Tyrod Taylor as my second quarterback in one draft, and um, that was late. That was he was late. I, I got him after Jameis Winston. I didn't, I got Jameis Winston. He thought of me in the ninth round. So uh, that I you're still able to grab dynasty fantasy football startup draft uh, value as far as quarterback. So. I'm telling everybody out there, please, I, I plead with you, wait on quarterback. Do not draft a quarterback. 
if you don't need to, I mean, there, there's so much value out there as far as other positions. It, it just gets deeper and deeper. So you, you don't, you don't need to get a quarterback too late uh, too early. It, it's just, it, it's, it's a, it's a loss of value. Yeah. And there's, there's plenty of people that were making the, the uh, Andrew Luck argument for the first overall pick in startups last year. And, and look what happened to him this year. We just, you just, you just don't know. And I do, I do feel like, especially as a whole, receivers take probably a little less punishment than running backs. So if you're getting, you know, young guys, especially guys with a year or two experience under their belt, that's what the way you want to go in those first couple rounds. And I, and I like what you said about getting green and Watkins. I think, you know, especially like if you have that pick, like at the, at the end of the second, beginning of the third, if you take two receivers like that, boom, boom, that could potentially start a run on the rest of rest of the receivers that are, you know, ranked around there. And then maybe you get yourself a David Johnson in the next round. You, you just don't know how yeah, that's going to yeah. work out. But just, you can you can kind of force people's hand when you do stuff like that. We've talked about that here on the on the show before. Um, just because I am a super fan, where where do you see uh, where is uh, DeAndre Hopkins going on these drafts? Uh, Deion, you know what? Let me let me look it up. Uh, let me find him in a second. You know what? I, I'll tell you right now. He's probably more than likely top five in both, uh, and and rightfully so. I I really love what this what this kid is looking like um, in, in dynasty startups. He yeah. You know what? In in the first draft that I'm looking at, he went at 104. That was uh, I'll tell you I'll tell you the first I'll tell you the top five of this draft. It was uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Julio Jones, Antonio Brown. DeAndre Hopkins and Le'Veon Bell. It can go either way. Uh, people can argue, you know, the top five could. You should have a Mike Evans in there, or or uh, an Allen Robinson, or even Amari Cooper. I mean, but the thing is, it's like you, you can't go wrong as long as you draft one of these wide receivers. Now you can go with somebody's ranking, but it's it's really honestly, like I said, by saying you can't go wrong. Um, it's it's absolutely true because whoever falls to you, it's obviously you you could have grabbed the guy that was above you, but he didn't fall to you. So now you can grab one of these other studs. But as long as you do that, don't go wrong by mm-hmm. getting the the running back. Because what what would have happened if if um if you drafted Le'Veon Bell in the top five? No, I'm not I'm not telling I'm not saying that this guy was wrong by doing so. Le'Veon Bell's a stud. He's he's a he's a PPR beast and everything. You know all that all that stuff, all the good stuff. But he got hurt mm-hmm. and. What do we know about running backs? Running backs get hurt more than wide receivers do. So um, it, it, it tells me because there are there are just this this group of wide receivers that are pretty much the definition of wide receiver studs. You you need to grab those up as much as possible and and don't don't snicker at guys like Des Bryant because Des Bryant had a bad season because he he, he didn't have his quarterback and he didn't have a foot. So let's uh let's fast forward to 2016 and talk to me again. You know, AJ Green. Come on, Andy Dalton was a was a really good quarterback this year. He'll be he'll be back. AJ Green is not he's not appreciated in 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 league. So people need to wake up and and, uh, and just kind of they they need to they need to hoard the wide receiver because when when those when that that little that little nucleus of studs uh, the the stud wide receiver when that drops it drops off pretty hard. I mean, you don't you don't want to get stuck. With, with with four and five tier wide receivers when you're going against guys in your league that did hoard the the other stud wide receivers because there's going to be no contest for the, the next five years. I mean, these guys, and they stay healthy. They stay healthy. They're young. They're only getting better. 
and their quarterbacks they're they're getting uh they're getting in sync with their quarterbacks and all these things are happening they're having more more time in preseason and more time in training camp and everything else i mean it just starts gelling more um, can you imagine next year amari cooper Derek carr it's going to be ridiculous now amari cooper went at 108 in this draft can't go wrong with that because you'd say that he fell to you but the guys that above him were Allen Robinson, Mike Evans, Newt Hopkins, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, ODB, or OBJ. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't want to be disrespectful, Mr. Beckham Jr. Um, my, my point is, is you, you, because this particular guy was drafting at the eighth position in this draft, um, he had to, quote, unquote, settle for Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper was a rookie this year in 2015. Uh, this season that just passed. Uh, Amari Cooper was a rookie, uh, and he 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 earned his stripes because that he everybody was debatably taking it was either Amari Cooper or Todd Gurley in in, in the uh, in the rookie draft this year or last season rather. And uh, it was it was a it was an argument back and forth who 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 deserves that number one tag. Well, Amari Amari Cooper uh, made it made a good argument for that, and uh, he he's going to be somebody's stud. Um, for the next 10 years, it's, it's, and that team is young. And you think about, you think about situation as well. Like, I, like when I mentioned Amari Cooper initially, who would I talk about? Derek Carr. Uh, he's, he, he's young too. He, he, he just came into the league. They're going to gel together and they're going to grow together. And it's just going to be a beautiful thing. Um, Derek Carr is falling in the draft because everybody waits on quarterback. It's just, it's one of those things where like, you can think later in the draft. Okay. Well, what if, what, what if I want to stack these guys? Because you can. You're building a dynasty. Why, why not think that far ahead? Um, just hoard, hoard, the wide, hoard, hoard the wide receiver. It's, that, that's my number one message today. Yeah, and I, I, that just made me think about our – me and Nick are in a 16-team league here affiliated with the site, and I waited till it is an IDP league too, so I, so I took J.J. Watt in sure. first, and then I took Forte, Forte in the second. But by the time my third round – pick rolled around the, the the top wide receiver left for me was Jordan Matthews. I could have had um, yeah. Jordan. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It was Jordan Matthews. I went Kevin Whitewood right before that. It was Jordan Matthews and then mm-hmm. Kelvin Benjamin. And I actually thankfully chose Jordan Matthews, even though Benjamin could be back at some point in time here. But, uh, you know, and then after that, it was, we're talking Golden Tate, end of the third, Brandon Cooks, Keenan Allen. Yeah, that's, gets, I mean, that's the, that's the talent left after that point. So you can imagine, obviously, everybody else that went above that. Uh, Nick, do you have any questions hey. there for Justin? Uh, yeah, while we're talking about wide receivers, uh, one guy that got hot towards the end of this last year was Doug Baldwin. Uh, I think he'll probably be one of the more polarizing guys in the, this offseason. What, what is your opinion on him? Uh, me? Per, I mean, and look, this is me speaking personally. This is just – what I think uh, I, for me, I, I like, I like Tyler Lockett the best on that team. As far as receiver options, I, I think Tyler Lockett is the future. If I'm a Doug Baldwin owner, I'm going to cash in as, as much as I can because who the hell is going to sustain those numbers? I don't think so. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. And you know what? I hope somebody pulls back the tape next season so they can quote me and be a little dick about it. And uh, that's fine. And it proved me, prove me wrong. Please do so. I, that's cool. But, I don't even think it's possible. You know, those numbers are ridiculous. It just doesn't happen. It, he went from a, a guy nobody even talked about 
you know, who, who they wouldn't even want on the roster as a W4 or WR4 rather um, to, you know, he's, he's, he's possibly your, your WR2. Now. I don't think so. I'm sorry. He, he's not, I don't even think he's on a golden Tate level and golden Tate's 27 years old. Um, I, uh, no disrespect for what he did, you know, but you know, that's largely Russell Wilson and that's largely because Jimmy Graham was taken out and they had to, they had to game plan. I, I think, I, I think that's what happened. I mean, I, I'll tell you the truth right now. Oh, you know, it, it also had a lot to do with the fact that they weren't running the ball either because uh, Marshawn Lynch was what, mm-hmm. you know, ha, has been out, you know, not, not that they weren't running the ball. I mean, you know, they had rolls or whatever, but it, they, they weren't pounding mm-hmm. like they had been with beat. Um, now I, I hope, that in 2016 they will allow Russell Wilson to keep airing the ball out because they, man that kid can throw and and it's it's just a it's kind of a it's a shame that they they kind of held him back so long I mean hey whatever he you know he he he's had success we could say that but um I I just really hope that it's exciting to me watch football and and you and you see you see long touchdowns and long touchdowns to me on the Seattle Seahawks see on the Seattle Seahawks equals Tyler Lockett. Um, so if I could, if, if somebody were to ask me, would you trade Doug Baldwin for Tyler Lockett straight up? Hell, hell yeah. 100%. I would give you a pick and Doug and Doug Baldwin for, for Tyler Lockett. I don't know what pick yet, but I, I'd have to look at it or whatever. But, um, if, if I'm, like I said, if I'm, if I'm a Baldwin owner, I'm, I'm cashing in, I'm going to, I'm going to get a pick for him. If you can get a, a number one pick, uh, a first round pick for Doug Baldwin in this coming draft, hell yeah, do it. Just do it. What you know? Because it's a guy that you never even heard of last year. Not never heard of, but let, let's be honest. Like he and I don't. I, I I know that it happens. I know that you know wide receivers develop and and it, it does happen. I, I'm not buying it. I he's like a he's like a Kenny Britt to me. Like yeah yeah you know he flashed before, but I don't want him. I, I just don't. I <laughs> get the value while you can because he's not gonna he's not gonna sustain those numbers. He's just not. He was exploding for three touchdowns every week. Come on. Who does that? It, good for him. Like I said, it's amazing. But you got to, you got to, you got to get your value. I just, that's what I would do. Well, and I think along the lines with a guy like Baldwin is, obviously people were aware of him, but now they are going to be super aware of him, and he could, he could be the brunt of punishment from a lot, of, from a lot of guys. He's going to possibly see some, some double teams, you know, when he comes across the middle or whatnot. Um, and if I think if you want to find another example, look at look at the year Brandon LaFell had, uh, not this past season, but the year before. And then you, you know he got he got dinged up and never really never really was able to get footing this year at all. So I mean, if you're getting if you think you're going to have value, I mean, I was super high on Brandon LaFell. I'm like a, a receiver that big going to New England? Yes, please. I, I wanted him. Sure, and I sure, got him yeah. if I could. And and I read the rewards, but you got to realize it's it's when a guy like that goes to a new team and becomes a, a great player, it's not necessarily going to uh, going to stay that way when he hasn't been a great player beforehand. So yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Did you yeah. guys have? Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no go ahead. Yes, yes, yes. I was just going to ask if you had a uh, rookies in this in the startup. Or is that are those separate? Yeah, you know, well, you know what we did, um, and we uh, we actually got together for like when we were talking about the first draft, like how we wanted to do it, um, because obviously when you're forming a dynasty league, you have to have rookies available. What we did was is uh, we went into the settings because on MFL, myfantasyleague.com, you could you you can like it's like really customizable, uh, so you can get in there and actually add players, quote unquote. So what we did was is 
we just went into like the same position. We in this instance we went into the quarterback position and we added uh, each rookie pick. So the 101, the 102, the 103, and so on, uh, all the way through uh, five rounds. Um, so what we did was is we made those picks available in this draft, and uh, we drafted picks. So for example, I drafted the uh, the pick number 405. So I I, I have hmm. 405, uh, 507, like things like that. So in the in the upcoming rookie draft, which we'll do after the NFL draft, um, we'll have we'll get to have a second draft this season, uh, but we'll draft our rookies. Um, but what, what this does is now it, it allows me to have a little bit of time because I didn't take higher pick, uh, higher picks. I decided to take players that I wanted instead. Um, but I do have some picks, like fourth round, five, uh, fifth round picks. I can maybe package those up and because we have active trades right now too, so. I can maybe package those up in a trade, like with another player, and uh, maybe get up, um, get more uh, better picks, uh, and move up in the draft before the draft even takes place. So you know, it's just a little bit of added fun. It it, it enables us to to uh, not only create uh, a, a dynasty startup, but have two drafts uh, before the season even begins. So when you had, when you guys did that, just so I'm understanding. So like instead of making like your third round pick, let's say you just pick, pick 1.01. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Where, um, okay. you know what, yeah. I'll have to, cool. I'll have to, yeah, if you like, I, I can find like where the one oh one went just co- so you guys have an example. Yeah, I was, and you I know was what, I'll, just kind of interested. I mean, let me pull that up. I, I'll see, um, I'll see when, you know, when, when the one oh one fell and I'll tell you guys like when the, uh, like who, who went before and, and after that, um, oh, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, just because you know it'll okay. So the the one hundred one fell to the two eleven in this draft. So before him, Demarius Thomas was taken, uh, Josh Gordon was taken, Keenan Allen was taken. Like this, these are guys that were taken before the one hundred one pick. Right after the one hundred one pick was Jordan Matthews, and then of course somebody sees one pick and they're like, oh my god, picks are taken or picks are available. So the one hundred one was taken or the one hundred two was taken two picks right after the 101. And then after that, Cam Newton, Dante Moncrief, then a 103, then you got Randall Cobb. So it, 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 it starts to affect the draft because people are now not drafting guys like Dante Moncrief uh, in lieu of drafting the 102. You know what I'm saying? So it, it mm-hmm. really, it, it added an element to the, to the draft, which was a lot of fun. No, yeah, that sounds, that sounds interesting. Um, Nick, where do you think you would pull the trigger on 1.1 there if you had the option? Now, uh, the, the guys, the guys that that were the one. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt. But the 101 again. I just want to remind you, the guys that were taken right before the 101: Marius Thomas, Josh Gordon, Keenan Allen, Devontae Parker, uh, Devontae Freeman, Brandon Cooks, and Gronk. I'll just go that far. Um, so, like, there's guys that you could have taken before the 101. Just so you know. Yeah, it's it's surprising. I think that might be a little bit high there. Uh, I am surprised Josh Gordon went that early. Was he uh, that early in the other draft as well? Uh, you know what? I was I was actually kind of surprised uh, as well. I mean, you got Josh. Well, you know what? I don't know. It's 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 really well. No, hold on. Let me pull up. The, this was the second draft. Let me pull up the first draft to see see where Josh Gordon went. Josh Gordon went in the first draft at three oh nine. Now again, I think this is another example. Ample. The first influenced the second draft because it was public. So these the people that were gearing up for the second draft, I I'm I've, I'm very vocal in telling them, hey, you know, just because I don't want them to think that I have an unfair edge for any any reason. Like, look, this is all the information that I see, but you can see it as well. So 
here it is. Um, so in the first draft, it, uh, Josh Gordon went at 309. In the second draft, Josh Gordon went at 209. Now, I think it's because that particular person was looking at the other draft and he decided he didn't want to wait and, and gamble with him falling to uh, him in the third round. Yeah. Because he, he wouldn't have drafted again. I'm sorry? No, go ahead. Uh, well, okay. So he took him at 209. He, his, his next pick wouldn't have been until 304. So instead of gambling him, uh, Josh Gordon falling to him at 304, he just decided, you know what, I'm going to get my guy now. And I, I guess that's what happened. And then after that, you know what, at 304, he took the 103. So, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like you guys were almost thinking similarly, how you're you know, asking, well, would you rather take Josh Gordon or the 101? Is that what you were kind of saying? Yeah, I, I think so. And, and I think we got when you look at a guy like Gordon, too, you got to ask yourself, you know, who is his quarterback? And is is he going to come out of this suspension and, and be a DeAndre Hopkins? I don't think anybody doubts DeAndre Hopkins, the fact, and besides the fact that we have no idea who his quarterback is going to be week one next year. Nobody doubts him. Is Josh Gordon that, that type of player? And obviously, Nuke is going a lot higher. And I do love the fact that you called him Nuke, by the way, earlier. You can tell you that you are really a fan. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, nuclear as, weapon, as far baby. As I'm concerned. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm and I'm uh, uh, an IDP nerd as well. After maybe like the talks, I'm not really all that enthused. I mean, maybe maybe I go as to say is there's four players that I really like, and that's um, at least that I would consider with those picks. And you know, obviously, uh, uh, Elliot, uh, Henry probably Tyler Boyd and Michael Thomas. The rest, I, I'm not too thrilled about the rest of the offensive players that I'm that we're going to see at the top of these rookie drafts. So I would probably certainly wait up those first first two picks were gone, and maybe I would maybe wait until the third one left, went two, and then maybe draft draft that fourth one. And if I, but that being said, if I I'm like sitting with a pick zero one point two in one of our leagues right now, if I can get a veteran player like a veteran wide receiver for that pick, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in a heartbeat because I would much rather have you know. Just uh, even, even if it is uh, you know like a middle of the road guy or a guy that's like if I if I could get Devontae Parker for that pick I would if I could get somebody obviously somebody better I certainly would do that too so I guess that's oh, yeah. how I feel about that rookie class I think it's as the draft goes on there's going to be some defensive guys that are that are intriguing obviously there's you know edge rushers and some secondary guys there's a ton of cornerbacks and it obviously depends if your IDP league requires cornerbacks, but there's a ton of cornerbacks that I see having a lot of value. I'm not going to go out and draft a whole bunch of them, but there's at least a couple that I would certainly tab in the later round. So if I could, you know, move back and get, get a, a veteran piece with one of those picks, I think I certainly would. And like you said, maybe even the fact that you have those picks, people get more excited about that. And this draft gets, gets a little heavier on the top as I'm, for, you know, as I'm professing it to be not, maybe, maybe that, that pick a bit more valuable too. So, yeah, no, I, um, I agree. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. Oh, no, what I was, that, that was actually the reason why I waited in my own draft until, uh, I mean, the highest pick that I have in both drafts is the 311. Um, that's not because, uh, you know, I hate the rookies that are incoming or anything. It's only because, uh, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm a little ill-prepared as far as the, the rookies that are incoming. And I'd rather take the guys that I know about right now. Um, 
So, like, like I was saying, you, you want to hoard the wide receivers. In this is this is uh, my one roster, uh, and this is fun because usually you don't you know you don't talk about your own people like, or you don't talk about your own teams and things like that. But because you guys need to know about uh, these startup drafts, it's it, it, you know they get to see it, I get to talk about my team, so that's that's awesome. But uh, here 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 are the here's an example of the wide receivers that I was able to get on one roster uh, in this dynasty startup because I was like you know what I saw what happened this year to the running backs as far as people were winning with Tim Hightower, uh, Tim Hightower at the end of the season. So I don't want to, you know, I, I just, I, I'm okay with just taking like little PPR guys that I like, and we can talk about those later if you'd like. Um, but the, the guys that I, I was able to get at wide receiver, I, I, I have Jalen Strong, Devontae Parker, Tyler Lockett, Julio Jones, Jeff Janis, Leonard Hankerson, Doriel Greenbeckham, Devin Funches, Philip Dorsett, Michael Campanaro, Devin Bailey. That's my stable of wide receivers on one team, on one 30-man roster. And you know what? I guarantee the guys that that decided in my league that they wanted to take wide uh, running backs, I guarantee down the road they're going to be coming and barking up my tree for for a little wide receivers because uh, I, I DGB he he's like my fifth receiver. Funches he's like my sixth or seventh. It's ridiculous. Like the potential on my team is just it's unreal. And it that's not even like that's not even gloating. It's 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 a, it's a fact. I mean. You look at it and you're like, okay, well, you know, I, I've had so many people message me and like asking me for different players for different stake. I mean, we, we don't even know what Jeff Janis is going to be, but I took him in like the 19th round or something like that. I, I don't even remember what it was, but the, the point is 15th round. Here it is. I got him. And, you know, and it's, it, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun, man. <laughs> you, you, you keep that mindset. If you start snatching up like some of the, like a top three, like top three studs. So this is how I took him. I took Julio Jones at 102. I took Devontae Parker at 211, and I got Doriel Green Beckham at 302. That's a pretty good, uh, pretty good start, you know. And, and then, and then we, we went off with Tyler Lockett at 411, and then uh, Devin Funches at five, uh, 502. So, I mean, that's five guys right there that everybody wants. So, I mean, hey, let, let, you know, either, either bring me a good trade or I'm happy with my team. I'm happy with my team because at running back, like I was saying, you wait on running back. I didn't take a single running back in this draft until the seventh round. You want to know who I got at seven oh two? I got Jeremy Langford. Jeremy Langford is going to be the stud in Chicago. I'm scared. Before, I'm sorry. Before he's out of there, he either he's out of there or you know they're gonna they're gonna start planning for him. Um, at eight eleven, I got De, uh, Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis, okay, yeah, the, the next Shady McCoy on on the New England Patriots. Let's do it. And then, and then, like I was telling you, you wait on quarterback. In the ninth round, I was able to get Jameis Winston. So my, my team right there is set. I, I believe while we were having this chat, because like, we, like, we're really active as far as, uh, as far as the league. Like, we always talk to each other, and that's what makes it fun to me. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're always talking crap and all that stuff. So, you know, after my ninth, after my ninth pick and after, like, those, those, that, the plethora of wide receivers that I was able to take, so I, I got those ple- the plethora of wide receivers, and then I got those two running backs that I was able, I, I can I can kind of you know maneuver around, and then I got my my franchise quarterback. Jameis Winston is going to be a franchise quarterback for the next I don't know ten to fifteen years. So I right there I was like, hey guys, I think I just won the draft. Just you know, going to raise my hand here, you know. So it, it, <laughs> it, that the reason the reason I'm being so animated about it is because uh, you can walk away from a draft and feel the same way I do. That's that's all I'm saying, you know. And we can go over my yeah. second, my, my other roster if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. And the point, I guess, you know, the good point that you make there too is don't, you know, people get so rookie crazy. And obviously, it's different if it's a startup or at the league that's already going. But 
don't forget about those second-year receivers when you go to draft. I mean, those people are, are going to be grabbing, you know, look where Kevin White went in, in rookie drafts and look where he went, you know, in startups. He went so high. And, you know, people got second-year guys that came that came came on and really contributed this year, and we still haven't seen him take a snap yet. You know, I had a league where I, my first two picks were Perry, Prashard Perryman and Kevin White, and I, that neither one of them played a snap this year. So yep. don't forget about those uh, those second year guys because there's there's certainly value. Even even the guys that maybe didn't do a whole lot, they could they could you know there's there's more trust there. Like like a guy like Janice, obviously, Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers saw something in him in the playoffs, and maybe it was out of necessity of of health. But he, he you know that trust is there now, and you know he's not going to oh, be forcing so. the ball to to Randall Cobb across the middle if, if Janice is, is in sense coverage downfield. Just, you just you just know that trust has been built up so far. So some, some very sure good points so, there. But, yeah, some very good points there by you, Justin. But I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's, been, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, and cool. hopefully we can, we can have, have you come back on sometime. Again, it's Justin Barlow, ffcouchcoach.com. Yeah, man. Anytime. Hey, you know, you guys can, you know, literally anytime. Anyone who wants to reach out to me, I'm always on Twitter at FF Couch Coach. Um, so I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, Justin. Bye. Take care. All right. Well, that was that was some great information there from Justin. Um, he reminds me a little bit of our buddy Chris Ransom there, Chris or Nick. A lot of a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of a, a lot of drive, and that's that's good. We like to see people like that. Uh, come on the show and, and uh spread their spread their energy so we certainly uh certainly appreciated him there um moving forward here uh sorry uh, we got some dynasty trade analysis now i forgot over the like the last month nick because probably because we were in trade purgatory because of the 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 deadline there we we have a clip for this so let's get let's get that <laughs> Time for Dynasty Trade Analysis. Okay, Nick, let's look and see what we have today. A couple interesting ones here, and I'm really, really interested to hear what uh, you have to say here, Nick. Um, Calvin Johnson, who obviously is contemplating retirement, so that we should not forget that fact here. Um, So Calvin Johnson for Tavon Austin and Melvin Gordon, what do you think? This kind of feels to me like the Calvin Johnson owner's panicking because, like you said, the report that he's contemplating retirement. I don't buy that, and I, I almost wonder if people wouldn't uh, believe it so much if he didn't play for Detroit in the history there with Barry Sanders retiring so young. Uh, so, yeah, this is not enough for me to trade away Calvin Johnson. Taylor Austin, Melvin Gordon, yeah, that's just not enough value. I think the, the upside if Johnson were to play another year, especially if he were to move on to a different team with a better quarterback situation, I would I would hold on to Megatron right now. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. I mean, and I think if you're you're targeting a guy like Melvin Gordon, you're probably trying to buy low on him since he didn't score a touchdown. I know I keep saying that, but he didn't. He didn't score a touchdown last year, people. Um, 
you're going to want to buy low on him. You're not going to want to trade a guy a guy much further down the road. Uh, even even though he's been digged up the last couple of years, there's just not enough value there. Especially you know even with Tavon Austin. I mean, he's a gimmick player. He's not Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is the the the, the offense there in uh, Los Angeles. Sorry, I wanted to say St. Louis, but I didn't. Well, I kind of did. But anyway, Los Angeles. Yes, the Los Angeles Rams have returned. Uh, quick side note, a friend of mine, his father is a huge uh, Los Angeles Dodgers fan and was a Rams fan, and he uh, thankfully didn't throw away any of his Los Angeles Rams gear. So he's happy that he could wear that stuff once again. <laughs> uh, I just thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but anyway, what do you think about Buck Allen for Michael Floyd there, Nick? I think it's pretty even. I would probably lean towards Floyd just because of the fact, like Justin said, you like to hoard wide receivers in dynasty leagues. Um, running backs can be uh, a bit more unpredictable, especially in uh, Baltimore. We don't really know what the situation is going to be. If Justin Forsett's going to be back, uh, uh, Lorenzo Taliaferro is going to be healthy again. What's the timeshare going to be? So, yeah, I would lean a little bit towards Floyd, but it's fairly even. Yeah, with, with Alan, you're looking at a guy that maybe could rise and there's certainly, you know, that that crazy word here it comes again, potential with him. But Michael Floyd is a guy that's already earned the starting position. You know he's gonna play in that offense. He has been dinged up the last couple of years, but you know he's you know he's gonna get his reps when he is healthy. So I certainly uh I certainly agree with you there on that on that trade. Um moving forward. Now this one I don't know. And this is maybe our back to our receiver thing, but this seems this seems like a lot for Mike Evans, but Mike Evans and pick 3.02 uh, for TJ Yeldon, 1.01 and 2.04. What do you think there, Nick? Uh, yeah, it's going to sound like I'm contradicting myself because I'm going to go the opposite direction. He <laughs> got a Yeldon uh, first overall pick in 2.04. Um, you know, I said Buck Allen's kind of, you know, got a cloudy situation in front of him, whereas T.J. Yeldon, we know he's going to be the number one back in Jacksonville. They proved this last season. They've got one of the pretty decent offense, actually, uh, surprisingly enough, for as young as they are in Jacksonville. So I like the side they got the Yeldon. Plus, as I said, the number one overall pick, a second-round pick. Yeah, definitely. You know, Mike Evans is good, but he's not that good. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of – I don't have my my full rankings written out yet for uh, the, these rookies, but I'm trying to think – I mean, you're basically thinking you're getting Yeldon and Ezekiel Elliott, and let's say, you know, lottery ticket receiver, but it's a, a young wide receiver that's probably going to see a 50% snap count with those with those picks, and you're giving up a, a third-round pick in Mike Evans. I mean, that, I don't know. It just seems like a whole lot. I know people like Mike Evans, and he's he's a big, strong receiver that I think is only going to get better. But that's that's a lot to give. And maybe the guy that's given Evans a second wide receiver. We don't. This is a trade I pulled off of Twitter, so we don't know exactly uh, what, what the situation is there. But uh, and if that's the case, maybe this is a little bit of a better deal. But you certainly got to love. Obviously, and it could be that case where that guy is stacked. Excuse me. At uh, could be a case where this guy is stacked at wide receiver because he's obviously wanting running backs in return. They're getting that 1.01 as well as um, uh, yielding in return. So, and, and I'm not, you know, certain that 
Ezekiel Elliott is going to be 1.01. I'm I'm just guessing at this point, but I think that's probably going to be uh, the way it's going to go. I don't think any of these receivers are going to overtake him, and I'm not not a huge Elliott fan either. So I I, just, I think that's where he's going to be, and that's a lot of people are going to be taking him there. But I'm I, I still caution people on that. I know I'm not now contradicting myself as well, but uh, just uh, just kind of my thoughts. That I want to make sure everybody everybody knows that I'm not fully endorsing that at this point in time but um um sorry where were we michael we did that one uh okay this is from our buddy bill bill latin bill latin america as i like to call him to make sure i say his name right um jordan matthews and Devonte adams for jeremy Mackland and sammy watkins what do you think they're um, I think I like the upside of the uh, side that picked up Sammy Watkins and uh, Macklin. Uh, Adams, I just don't trust him there in Green Bay. He had a really rough season, struggled a lot with dropping the football, uh, whereas Sammy Watkins, I think the sky's the limit for that kid. Yeah, I, so I would have to side with the And Jeremy Macklin, actually, his production was not killed by playing with Alex Smith. He had a pretty decent year himself, so I, I would go with that side. Yeah, Macklin was a nice shining spot in that offense for this team and uh so and and i agree i there's there's not a lot of love there i think right now with aaron Rodgers and Devonte adams adams had a huge opportunity we, i know we talked about him in this this portion of the show all summer people were all over this guy you know taking him in the third and fourth round he had a huge opportunity this year to really step up when jordy nelson got hurt and he just didn't and i i won't be surprised if we see him uh, get traded maybe even during the draft. I, I really wouldn't be surprised. Um, so, and uh, Jordan Matthews, new offense coming in there, kind of the same offense that Kansas City runs, essentially with Doug Peterson being the OC there. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like the Macklin side and Watkins side. I agree there, the eunuch. So, um, I forget where Bill was lying in that, but I think I think he was getting Watkins. Um Bill's been crazy. He's been doing trades left and right already. Um, but uh, we'll maybe we'll give him guff about that next week on the uh, Super Bowl Roundtable podcast. I uh, hope, hope you guys can come back next week and listen to that. So each and every week we also do a little something that we like to call um, Dynasty Dilemma. Uh, we This is where we pit two uh, players against each other and just kind of debate their, uh, their dynasty value. So we have... Uh, we have a good one here for you as we pit David Johnson versus Todd Gurley, a couple rookie, excuse me, second year now running backs uh, going head to head. So Nick, you had the chance to go first. What do you got for us, buddy? Well, first off, I will concede, Josh, that Todd Gurley has a higher ceiling. He is one of the very few players that does have a chance to be the next Adrian Peterson. But just having a chance to be that good does not necessarily mean that it's going to happen. A lot of things have to fall into place. First and foremost, staying healthy. Uh, of course, we all know about the ACL injury. But in order to put up AP type of numbers, the Rams offense is going to have to make some big improvements. While Gurley did rush for 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns as a rookie, there are some weeks the Rams struggled to move the football at all, leading to Gurley having under 50 yards in four games, and that doesn't include his debut performance where he received only six carries. Now, of course, there will be weeks when Arizona also cannot move the ball, but David Johnson gets bailed out in PPR formats by his receiving abilities. 
in mostly part-time work, Johnson racked up 36 catches for 457 yards and four touchdowns on 57 targets, while Gurley is a full-time running back, only had 21 catches for 188 yards and zero scores. So Johnson has a much higher floor, both weekly due to his receiving abilities and long-term due to the injury concerns and his uh, team's perceived flaws offensively. Now, most would say Gurley is a superior runner, but Johnson really is not as far behind as you think. Gurley had a very impressive 4.8 yards per carry, but Johnson's 4.6 was not far behind. And with 100 less carries and just over half as many yards, Johnson only had two less rushing touchdowns than Gurley. When the injury bug struck Chris Johnson, David Johnson proved he was more than up to the task of being a rare every-down back, going for over 90 yards in each of his first three games as a starter, including a 29-carry for 187-yard performance against the Eagles. Fantasy football is sometimes just about minimizing your risk, and that's why I would take Johnson over Todd Gurley. Yeah, you know, with Johnson, I just don't know. I mean, the guy had 13 touchdowns as a rookie. I just, and I think, I think it's a little, and I'll get to a little bit more of this later, but I think it's a little far-fetched to think he's going to do that year in and year out. I think we're going to see some limitations put on him as far as, you know, they, they were trying to figure out what he was for that offense this year, and they had to turn to him as their RB1 later on the season out of necessity. And uh, I, I think he's going to be guarded in some aspects next year because of that. Um because I mean, he obviously will be there starting to running back next year. I think Chris Johnson is on a contract, though, so something that also comes into play. Um, but I guess as far as Gurley's concerned, we are—is he not the next AP? Nick said that, so I, I think people still believe that. Um, his team is moving, and their lack of offensive playmaking depth is certainly going to leave a lot of the pressure squarely on Gurley's shoulders. Will he ring them bells? I think most people expected a solid season for Gurley if he was fully healthy. It took about a month or so for his debut, and that was very sketchy as he gained just nine yards on six carries. Uh, And he caught one target for five yards. Then he exploded by rattling off at least 128 yards each of the next four games with the best effort coming at Green Bay with 159 yards on the ground at the loss. Uh, the injury-thirsty haters were quenched, and Gurley was born. The legend that was already lore finally had some healthy legs to stand on. He had, he had his normal rookie ups and downs after that. Now, many, especially those who took him 1.01, prayed that he would play well enough to even be considered for a rookie of the year honors. I don't think anyone truly expected that to happen. 1,100 yards and 12 starts later, he was indeed named Offensive Rookie of the Year. Does it seem far-fetched to think, or does it seem too easy to think that David Johnson will just be a top-five PPR option for the next three seasons or so? It just seems way too easy. I mean, obviously people would say yes as opposed to no on that. It just seems way too easy because I do feel like everybody is saying yes. And if fantasy football has taught me one thing, it's, it's it's, it's always about when you think something is totally a for sure thing, it doesn't happen. And I, and I'm not, I don't discredit Johnson. I like him very, very much, but I just think Gurley is certainly uh, the better player. He was the one that everybody was talked about. He, you know, David Johnson, the people were talking about, well, this guy could be something Gurley. It was, it was a slam dunk. Everybody was, most everybody was on, on the Gurley train. Now, 
is but when you look back at David Johnson, is he the number one option on his own squad? He's actually part of a kind of a four headed monster of one point one point fives. Um, you, with obviously Larry Fitzgerald, John Brown, and Michael Floyd, and then Johnson. There's there's a lot of mouths to feed on that offense, and with a you know with a young quarterback coming in, you know Gurley is Gurley is still going to be head over heels the best player on that team. He is this franchise, and with a young quarterback coming in, they really must turn to him and let them be their horse and let him just do their thing. Obviously because of PPR being the new standard, this is the only reason I think DJ and Gurley are in the same, same discussion. So obviously if you're a dinosaur and you play in one of those standard leagues, you're going to certainly lean towards Gurley. Uh, DJ at this point is the better pass catcher, but if the Rams get an actual quarterback, Gurley could turn the page in that aspect. Uh, you know, he, he's not a bad pass catcher. They just didn't ask him to do a lot of that. I think they were again, trying to limit, limit some risk with him as a rookie. So we'll see how that, how that plays out. These two are, are very close because of, like I said, PPR, but um, I think it's, I think, excuse me, I think David Johnson played a bit over his head as a rookie. And I think Gurley is only going to get better from this point. Like I said earlier, I have a strong, strong feeling that I don't know if we're going to see David Johnson repeat the the craziness that he did as a rookie. Can he do the same thing again? Sure. But I don't think he's going to expound on that and get better. Gurley, 1,200 yards. Excuse me, 1,100 yards in 12 games. You know, if you average out what he averaged in those games, he's probably getting another 300 yards the rest of the way. Uh, as a starter, number three, maybe another 400 yards. So if he, if he could drop 1,500 yards, I think you're going to see a lot of people uh, very happy. And I don't know if David Johnson is that type of player. Nick, do you have any rebuttal? Um, well, I think you you brought up a number of times that PPR formats is why this is such an even battle. You know, obviously Gurley would be the number one in standard formats, but PPR is very close. And I will just give a bonus tip. If Arizona were to re-sign Chris Johnson, I can see some David Johnson owners panicking a little bit. I would try to buy him low, especially if you're rebuilding. The, and I think that would be a great opportunity to, to try to get a sneaky play trade there. Okay. Um, I was pretty sure that I thought Chris Johnson was under contract. I could be wrong. But um, I could, of course, check on that thanks to the the wonderful Internet. Um, But, sorry. Yeah, I just – I don't wish David Johnson any any ill will by any means. I just – I just just wonder about how that's going to – how that's going to play out. And obviously with the injuries suffered on that – on that team to their running backs, you know, uh, they're going to, there's going to be somewhat of, uh, somewhat of a, him being held back just a little bit. So, uh, you were right there, Nick, Nick, he is officially going to be a free agent. So unrestricted free agent. It's actually, um, Ooh, it's time for our historical fantasy draft. Jeez. You think I would have had a clip of that? That could have been a lot of fun. I could have, you know, had new Rotney or some, Howard Cosell, John Vicenda. Uh but anyway, we didn't we didn't get there. And actually, I don't know if we're going to call this historic. It's mostly mostly going to be probably from our lifetime. I don't know how far you were able to dig back, but I looked at a couple older guys and I wrote down some numbers here and there. And maybe we just have to talk about them. But um, this has certainly been the last you know twenty thirty years has certainly been the uh, 
the rise of fantasy football and it's the popularity and you're seeing people break records all the time and people having some, some of the best fantasy years of all time have really just happened here. And uh, the last 20 years, I mean, you look at what uh, Antonio Brown and Julio Jones did this year, 136 receptions, you know, 1800 yards. I mean, those two guys probably had the best, best years of most, a lot of receivers and ever it's I mean obviously there's been people had more yards and more receptions but geez what what a force they were uh for people's fantasy teams this year so again the rules we are going to pick two quarterbacks two running backs two wide receivers one tight end and one flex um once the player is taken we cannot take them again so we are taking players um based on one season of performance so we will have we've used a few different resources We've used the Pro Football Reference fantasy numbers, which are uh, you know four court, four points per TD pass. Uh, that does not include uh, PPR. So we came up with our Pro Football Reference fantasy points, and we added our PPR totals to them. So um, and once, once, like I said, once one player is taken, we cannot take them. So we will pick a player solely based on one season. This is a lot of fun, and I think I could go all, many rounds, but of course we are only doing eight. And I had the first pick. Um, Nick, any any thoughts while I try to make my first pick here? Any thoughts on the process and the research that went involved into this? Yeah, it was a lot of fun just seeing the statistical anomalies at point that sometimes, you know, there's a lot of players where uh, the year that I found most interesting is not the year that I would draft them in because, you know, obviously they had better yeah. seasons. But, yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun doing the research for this. Yeah, you know, just before I even started researching, I just I had wrote down a handful of names. It's like, well, i got to check their stats because I know, you know, I know Calvin Johnson had, almost broken the receiving yards record this year. So that's that's got to be the year, right? No, it was the year after that where he had 122 receptions that he had the better year. Um, same thing, uh, a guy like O.J. Simpson, you know, O.J. Simpson, Eric Dirkerson, Terrell Davis, Chris Johnson, all these guys had these 2,000-yard seasons. Uh, more often than not, their best fantasy season was not that year they had 2,000 yards. So it, it, it's, it's obviously we were looking at these players for a reason, but it's the, what came through – excuse me, was a different, uh, different aspect. So I guess I'm going to, I'm going to have to start it out and go, go quarterback. And I want to look back at 2007, you know, Oh, sorry. The other thing that I noticed is there's a couple, couple years that were just so impressive. Like, uh, some, some three different receivers having monster years in 1995, uh, couple there's just a couple of the years that were just like oh my gosh this all happened in one year but anyway tom brady 2007 actually scored more points than peyton manning did during his historical season where he broke the touchdown record this is the year that brady threw 50 touchdowns peyton manning later broke that record six years later with 55 but brady actually scored more fantasy points i'm going to take tom brady with my first overall pick 2007, 456 points. Nick, you're on the clock. Uh, well, I am going to have to go with the running back, uh, Ladanian Tomlinson, in 2006. 31 touchdowns, uh, had 1,800 yards rushing, 56 catches for 508 yards receiving, uh, whopping 483 fantasy points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I think that was the biggest point total. Yeah, that was that was wrong. I just I can't I can't imagine that. Uh, and I I do remember that because I had actually you know what I didn't have LT that year. I had him the next year. But anyway, he still had a pretty good year. So that, I think that was probably the highest point total. I did I did kind of forget about that, but that's okay. I thought I thought it was more important to get the quarterback, and there I go reaching for quarterback already. So um. Oh, that means it's back to me. And again, this is a two-quarterback scenario. So I'm going to go – I'm not going to draft another quarterback. But I am going to go to receiver. And I'm going to go with Jerry Rice, 1995, 414 points. Um, one other thing that I wanted to mention before we go go forward uh, – 1987, um, Jerry Rice had 22 touchdowns in 12 games before the uh, before the NFL strike. Uh, he probably would have shattered so many so many records that that year. But uh, yeah, 22 touchdowns. I think that was the record until Randy Moss broke it. But anyway, that was not Jerry's best year. But I just want to bring that. Up. So Jerry Rice, 1995, 414 points. Back to you. Okay, uh, and I want to add on one thing: the 22 touchdowns came in only 65 catches. That's basically one every one one touchdown for every three catches, pretty much. I mean, that is just an insane amount. Um, <laughs> but yeah, back back to the draft. I am going to uh, take my second running back now, Marshall Falk. Uh, in the year 2000, scored 26 touchdowns, had 1,350 rushing yards, and 81 catches for 830 receiving yards. That's 462 points. So I'm going running back, running back. LT and Marshall Falk. Oh, you got the you got the two best running backs. So I got some I got some work to do there. So I am going to go. With uh, Emmett Smith again, 1995 uh, standard leagues is 356 points, but yeah, you, you add in his uh, receptions, and he gets a whopping 427 points. So yeah, uh, that was the year he initially. I think he broke the touchdown record, and then of course LT. Uh, LT broke it after that. So Emmett Smith, 1995, 427 points. Nick, what do you got? Um, well, I think you forgot about Priest Holmes in 2003. Uh, 27 touchdowns, oh. 1,420 rushing yards, 74 catches, and 690 receiving yards. That's 447 points. So I'm just going to go ahead and play uh, Priest Holmes there in my flex. Wow, I did forget about Priest Holmes. Three running backs off the bat. Nick, Nick is... Uh, Nick has got it down. Um, how many points is that? I completely forgot. I didn't even write this one down. 2003, uh, how many points? 447? 447, yep. Wow. I was too busy thinking Jim Brown maybe did something back in the day. Um, sorry. Uh, back to me. So Nick's got three running backs. I have a running back, a wide receiver. Um, let's let's since you're scrounging up the running backs, I'm gonna go this one. And this one surprised me because of all the other 2,000 yard seasons. But this one surprised me that he was uh, he was up there in terms of probably top five best running back 
league's best running back years, but I'm taking Chris Johnson, uh, 2009. And that was the year he, he earned his nickname of CJ2K uh, when he dropped 349 standard points, but then, of course, he also caught 50 balls out of the backfield. He was unbelievable that year. So I'm going to take uh, Chris Johnson, 1995, 399. All right. Well, uh, I got all my running backs locked down, so I'm going to switch over to tight end. I'm going to take Rob Gronkowski in 2011. Uh, 90 catches, 1,327 yards, and 17 scores. That was good for 331 points. Yeah, that was ridiculous. <laughs> um, well, since you did that, I suppose I can wait. You're not going to draft another tight end, right? Um, <laughs> uh, just talking strategy out loud here. Um, I am going to go with uh, somebody that we talked about earlier in our best number 30 section. Of course, I can wait on that too, can't I? Um, let's wait on that. So i got to go receiver again. Um, let's go... This year... Turning the clock up to 2015, I'm going to take Antonio Brown, 136 receptions. Pretty sure it was close to 1,800 yards. Um, 386 PPR points, 2015. All right. Well, I probably should get a quarterback. I'm going to go with Peyton Manning's 2013 season where he threw for the 55 touchdowns, uh, 5,477 yards. Uh, that was good for 414 fantasy points. Peyton Manning. Okay. Uh, I'm going to shift down to my second quarterback and take uh, Aaron Rodgers, 2011, um, 399 points. I uh, don't have the exact stats there, but I'm pretty sure that was the Super Bowl year. Uh, what do you got? Um, I think I'm going to go with uh, Randy Moss in 2007. Uh 385 points, uh, 98 catches, 1,493 yards, and the 23 touchdowns, which broke for uh, Jerry Rice's record. So, Randy Moss, 2007. Okay. Um, I'm going to take, I guess, my third receiver, as we'll throw him. Uh, check that. Um, I'm really lost. What round are we in? <laughs> See, I have, let's just recap here. I have Tom Brady, Emmett Smith, Chris Johnson, Antonio Brown, Jerry Rice. Haven't taken a tight end. Nick has Peyton Manning, Marshall Falk, Priest Holmes, with Indian Tomlinson, and Randy Moss. Where did Randy go? Sorry. So I am going to go actually up to another running back here. Um, again, this did not happen in his 2000 season. This actually happened in his rookie year. He caught a bunch of passes. Uh, Eric Dickerson, 1983, 392 PPR points. So that means I have my flex as well because I have Amon Green, Eric Dickerson, and Chris Johnson, so back to you. 
Well, I'm going to take a guy I really like to watch him play, and that's Marvin Harrison. Uh, in 2002, he had 143 catches. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's still the record. 143 yes. catches for 1,722 yards and 11 scores. That was good for 384 fantasy points. Just one behind my uh, wide receiver, one Randy Moss. Okay, so I should have been writing this down, but I got – is this my last pick? We have five. Oh, I took – did I take four running backs? Well, darn it. I took Emmett. Did I take Amon Green, Chris Johnson, and Eric Dickerson? <laughs> I can't believe I just screwed this up. Do you remember – did I take Amon Green? I'm pretty uh, sure I did. did. You, I don't think you uh, – I can't remember. I actually stopped marking off your running backs after I got my three in the first three rounds. Sure. So. Okay. I'm pretty sure I did – I'll roll back and listen to the tape. So, um, so I'm going to have to, man, I'm really sorry, people. I'm going to have to go with another receiver here, and I think I'm going to have to make another pick too, I guess at the end. I'll, 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 I'll put the mess up on myself, probably lose this thing to you. Um, let's go... Herman Moore, 1995, 378 points. Uh, that that year, Herman Moore, three, 387, Chris Carter, 361, and Isaac Bruce, 379. So actually, sorry, I'm going to take Isaac Bruce. I just I was looking at his number. So Isaac Bruce had one more point that year. So I'm going to go with Isaac Bruce. I think you still need a second quarterback. Uh, yes, that is right, and I am going to take uh, Drew Brees from 2011, uh, threw for 5,476 yards and 46 touchdowns. That was good for 396 fantasy points. Okay, so are you done? Uh, I believe so, yes. So that means I need to take a tight end, and I guess I need to take another wide receiver since I screwed up and took four running backs. I got, I got overzealous by those 390 numbers. Um, a couple interesting notes. I, I think everybody remembers the mid-2000s when Sean Alexander was an absolute animal. Uh, he only had 15 receptions that year, so that was three, 379. That was a good one. Uh, the other 2000 year uh, was by Terrell Davis, 387. He had some, I think, only 20, 25 catches in that year. So uh, PPR does make a difference, people. That's... Uh, you know, people. Some people are really against it, and it makes basically makes these wide receivers even with uh, with these guys. So I need to take. Uh, I'm gonna take Jimmy Graham, 2013. Uh, that year caused me to take him number one in the first round of our startup the following year, uh, 2013. 304 points, not 27 points uh, less than Gronk. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the geez, did you find any other tight end years, Nick? Uh, I got the the next two I had were Tony Gonzalez, 2004, 270 points, and Shannon Sharp, 2000. Excuse me, 2000. Shannon Sharp, 1996, 246 points. Did you find yeah, any anybody else besides that? Yeah. No, those were the next ones I had too, and I didn't really go beyond that since we were only drafting one. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
So I suppose that means, so I took Antonio Brown and Jerry Rice and Isaac, and Isaac Bruce. So I got, I think I'm, I think we're good. Anyway, if I, if I decided that I missed, missed somebody, I will, uh, I will go back and do it, but maybe, yeah. Anyway, I will try to fix my, uh, fix my mistake there. I know I should have been writing them down and I will, will do so next time. So, uh, I hope that was, Besides my mess up there, a lot of fun for people listening, and it, it it it's fun to look go back and try to figure out those years. I think Nick and me both started by knowing these seasons where you know this. I know this person had the most receptions that year, so they probably had a pretty good year or most rushing yards that year. And it's 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 fun to kind of unfold and see how how that uh, all works out and and uh, comes through. So uh, a couple prospect profiles here to uh, to end the show. And maybe we'll just talk a little Super Bowl canter too before we get going here. Um, Adolphus Washington, defensive lineman, Ohio State, uh, six foot four, two hundred and ninety pounds, plays with a lot of power uh, and a very strong motor. Motor, excuse me. Will will have to be play either three four D end or nose tackle or fourth defensive tackle. I don't think he is fast or creative enough to play a three. Excuse me, a four three defense end. Uh, he was suspended from the Fiesta Bowl this year for solicitating. Um, I believe that means he was solicitating a prostitute, but it just says solicitation, so I won't go into that. Um, so teams will obviously hammer him with character questions during the interview process. Uh, yesterday, Mike Mayock more or less said he was stealing the show so far at the Senior Bowl practice. So he's certainly getting some uh, some notice right now. Uh, as a potential second to third round pick he will have an expectation level of uh maturity because he'll obviously probably be uh be starting um and people will probably expect him to be ready to start um i currently have the eagles grabbing him in my mock draft in round two uh to add to their new uh four three look with fletcher cox and benny logan i think he'll probably be a defensive tackle in that aspect i know both of those guys can play defensive tackle i think cox is Cox can do some better damage, maybe on end, but we'll see how that uh, we'll see how Jim Schwartz and company work that out. Uh, of course, that is if they do draft Washington. Of course, since I said him that he's going to be there in my mock, I'm already putting him there. Uh, now, if Washington lands in a place with talent, like think he could certainly be uh, uh, worth a taxi squad stash uh, this summer. So he's probably not a guy that you're going to draft in your rookie draft. Maybe at the end, if you if you need that position, but he's going to be one guy you can stash just to see how things work out. And that again, that's if he goes to a team that has talent along the defensive line. Um, I think if he if he goes to a team that doesn't have a pure pass rusher, he's certainly going to struggle. And I think he's going to he's going to be needed. Maybe he's going to he's going to have a little bit more pressure lean on him, which is going to obviously expose him to double teams if he is uh, successful early. So it's Adolphus Washington, Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, any questions about Washington? Nick? Well, you mentioned that he probably wouldn't fit as a four-three uh, defensive end at all. Is he a guy that can rush a quarterback, or you know, is he more of a space eater? Because from IDP concerns, you don't really want a guy that's just going to be a space eater and occupy a couple blockers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of like one of those things where we talk about you know guys like 
Derrick Henry and Ashawn Robinson in Alabama, they're surrounded by so much talent there at Ohio State as well. He has been able to rush the passer, but you, you wonder if he doesn't have Joey Bosa next to him, how you know how effective will he go, will he be if he doesn't have a quality a quality guy to put pressure on the quarterback or you know make the quarterback step up in the pocket. He he doesn't have a lot of speed, six four two ninety, so he's not an overly fat defensive tackle, uh, or, you know, heavy, but he's certainly not. Uh, not going to have like the the downhill rumbling speed like we see from a an Aaron Donald guy. I, I think he can be a, certainly a guy that can get himself you know five five to six sacks per season. But he's not he's not going to be you know a Nagdamakin Sue type of guy that absolutely uh, dominates. So defensive tackle required leagues obviously is where people are looking at him. But I think he could certainly help against the pass and he does use his use his arms well to excuse me help against the run i think he could support the run quite well he does use his arms as well so he could be a guy that's gonna you know bat some balls and, and whatnot so but he plays with a lot of power so you know he's gonna have to use that and obviously be a little bit of a learning curve going up against bigger bigger stronger linemen in the nfl guys know a little bit more what they're doing but uh I don't want to write him off as not a pass rusher, so I think he, he think he could certainly jump up and do do some things, but I don't think he's a, a guy that's going to be a double digit guy per season that by any means. Uh, J. Ron Curse, uh, safety, plays a little bit of both free safety and strong safety there at Clemson. Six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds, uh, big rangy specimen. Uses his hands well in coverage. Uh, he can run and jump with bigger tight ends, so I think that's going to be very attractive to teams. Scouts are kind of all over the map on this guy. Basically, he's going to go from rounds two to seven, uh, depending on who you listen to, obviously. Uh, he's going to find a home there. His natural position is strong safety, uh, but his projected speed is about four six forty times, so I think he certainly can be an option at free safety, especially uh when you think about those 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 big long arms and batting balls, um, he's he he does a, like I said just a very good job with his hands. So if if you need him to be that that guy at the back end, he's he has that capability and the speed to to uh, contribute there. Uh, can also be a physical mismatch for smaller receivers in the slot. Being you know six four two twenty, that's not necessarily specs of a a lot of uh, strong safeties. Usually they're a little bit heavier potentially a little bit shorter. So a, a unique size for the position, but I think that he can certainly use that to his advantage. Uh, because of the strong safety experience, I think he'll be a useful IDP option in deeper formats, but you want to maybe leave him on the bench for a month or so just to see uh, how it goes. Now, if he goes to a team that needs to, him to play right away, I think you you know, obviously you're going to start him sooner than later, but uh, just obviously he's going to be – Landing spot is going to be huge there for Mr. Curse. Any questions about personnel? Well, you mentioned his size, six four two twenty. That is a uh, quite a bit taller than you know, your standard safety. Is there any worry there about his agility? Is he smooth transitioning when he's covering receivers and all that? You know, he is actually smoother than smoother than people would probably think. Be being that size. Um, we don't know, you know, obviously when he gets up against, obviously, a guy like Antonio Brown or whatnot. You don't know how he's going to ha- handle that. But we've seen, you know, the trend with these bigger cornerbacks now. And I know he's a safety, but I think 
what what teams need to realize when when they have a guy that size playing strong safety is what he can do against you know a six foot five six foot six tight end. He he certainly has you know where he might be able to out physical a smaller slot receiver if he's able to do a little press coverage and get his hands on him at the line of scrimmage. Might be able to out physical a guy there, but what he is not going to be out finessed by a, a bigger receiver either. And we. We've seen teams go to these bigger receivers, and I think a guy like Curse being that tall is going to be a certainly a nice uh, a nice red zone uh, option there for a lot of teams. I actually have my Raiders taking him right now. I think in round two of my mock, so it's not a guy not a guy that's going to come in and necessarily replace Charles Woodson, but uh, certainly a guy that can uh, guy that contribute in a, t- a team that needs some secondary help is going to, that's going to boost his IDP value there. So um, I like him a lot and I I think he's kind of getting a little bit lost in the shuffle. So we'll see, we'll see where he goes. I don't think he's landing Collins quite yet, but I, I I like him. And with the unique size, it'll be, uh, he could be a, certainly a unique matchup problem for a lot of teams, especially teams that used to use the tight end with uh, some uh, fluidity, you know, like I said, using, Putting him on the Raiders, you know, matching him and got with a guy like Travis Kelsey, who is a big, a big agile player for his size. I think he will maybe surprise some people in the, in that aspect. So, um, Nick, any any thoughts? We we're going to have the Super Bowl roundtable next week, so we'll get to some kind of in depth questions there. But just any any thoughts about uh, the the scheme coming up here? Oh, just like I said earlier, uh, really excited about the fact that it's two good defenses going up against each other. Um, I know that's not what the NFL particularly likes to see. They, the, I'm sure Roger Goodell and everybody in the league offices would prefer a 49-50 to 50 type of shootout. But, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a great game. <sighs> yeah, it's it should be a great game. I hope it's a great game. Um, any any thoughts, do you think? I just I feel like this defense – is too good for Denver to think the fact that they could Carolina could do what they're doing to everybody else so far in this this, this postseason. That's that seems a little far fetched, right? Yeah, I mean initially I I have to lean with Denver just because they have the superior defense, uh, number one defense in the league, just getting after the quarterback and getting in the backfield. Um, but you know we've seen Cam Newton do things this year that we've never seen a quarterback do before ever. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how that defense matches up and tries to stop uh, Cam Newton. Yeah, and we'll see what uh, you know how they they attack him pass rusher wise. Obviously Wade Phillips proved his proved his chops there for uh for this Denver defense, but we'll see what happens when he's got uh, two weeks to prepare for uh, really an elite athlete at quarterback. So uh yeah, a lot of like I said, a lot of storylines going in the game should be pretty interesting. Um Nick, one one last question I thought. I just I've listened to as a as a sports guy obviously i listen to a lot of sports radio and one of the hot topics right now is the fact that basically uh lebron james got his coach fired um because he wanted he had aspirations or want would prefer to play for a guy that's actually played in the nba so they turned to their assistant coach uh, tyrone lu and fired david blatt do you think potentially see a situation like this let's say with like or, or have we? I mean, it's supposed to probably have a quarterback in the NFL. I mean, 
you think that we could see situations like this where the star player wants this guy gone and that happens? It's possible. I think, you know, if a quarterback were to win two, three Super Bowls in his 20s and then at age 31 were to say to the owner, hey, I want a different coach or, you know, say, you know, the coach that won the Super Bowls retired, they brought in another guy for a couple of years and wasn't working with the quarterback, go to the owner and say, I want a different coach. But I think it's pretty unlikely. Uh, you know, basketball, there's only five guys on the court at one time, whereas football is truly a team sport. You got to have a team mentality, so I, it, it's a lot harder to see it happening in the NFL. But it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, certainly a, a unique situation, and especially consider when you consider Cleveland was not having a bad season by any means. They just they just their star player wanted to change, and I guess he's the guy that puts butts in the seats, not the coach. So, uh, just a, yeah, just a a different situation, something that we don't see in football, but I think we potentially could mix it. But like with the roster sizes, it's not a, not a huge deal, but any means, uh, not a huge happenstance by any means. I should say. Uh, again, big thanks to Justin Barlow, FSCouchCoach.com. I think probably if you want to get into one of their mock drafts, you can certainly hit up Justin. And, uh, and I know I got Bruce Kimbrell will probably get going here very soon. I know we were hitting the ground pretty hard in February last year. So uh, those are always fun. One thing I think I always learn from doing mock drafts, and I did so many of them last year, is the fact that when your draft comes or when you're, even when your redraft comes or when your startup draft comes, you just, you just have this nice basis of player value. And, Granted, you know, if you're like in a home league and some, you know, some people are going to draft a little bit differently than, than what the value of that site is, you, you know, those things, but you're just going to have such a comfortableness when you go into a draft that you're just not going to, you're not going to be, you know, even if it's a, not a, not a long lasting draft, even if it's a time, you know, mid and a half draft, you're not going to be scrambling because, oh, somebody took my guy. So now who do I want? You just, you're just going to know. So I, I encourage people to do as many mocks as you can, not as many as possible, as many mocks as you can. So certainly, uh, certainly get, get out there and do that. And Bruce, I'm sure we'll get things going up, up here in a few weeks. So, uh, make, look forward to that. Uh, again, next week, Super Bowl roundtable show, Gene Clemens, FB game plan, author, Alex Kirby, Matt Zimmer from the Argus leader, DFW zone, Big Bad Bill Latin, and of course Chuck the Odd Man Padaisky, and Jack Fullman's going to be stopping by right away from Pacific Takes. Uh, we'll talk about the Pac-12 draft prospects. Nick, uh, as always, have a great week, and uh, thank you, and big thanks again to Justin for joining us, and look forward to talking Super Bowl next week. Any closing thoughts there, bud? Uh, enjoy this year's Pro Bowl featuring Tyrod Taylor and Jameis Winston. Woo! Oh, I am so glad you said that. I'll, I'm still sick of all these Pro Bowl updates. So and so has been added to the Pro Bowl. It's just like this isn't even the Pro Bowl anymore. People, <laughs> they just need to name an All Pro team and call it good. Oh uh, yeah, this is. Don't watch the Pro Bowl. Come on, watch the Senior Bowl on Saturday, and then take your wife out to dinner when the Pro Bowl's on. She will thank you. But anyway. <laughs> That's all we have for you. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am Joshua Johnson. He's Nick Wagner. We will talk Super Bowl with our Super Bowl Roundtable Podcast next week. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of voices, and uh, you will you will enjoy it. Thank you for downloading the show. Um, 
if you really love us, you can give us a nice review on iTunes. So that helps other people get get, get us noticed. So uh, we appreciate that. Again, if you like us, you can share us. You can share the podcast link on Twitter and Facebook, too. We would appreciate that. Thank you very much, folks, and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Bowl Podcast with J.D. Gilkeer, and Dr.